Okay, and I think we're live. So you are listening to MiseryTourism.com's Misery Movies podcast, uh, which is a film review and analysis podcast where we talk about movies about human suffering. And we're um, about halfway through our Halloween-themed movie marathon, uh, where we discuss a whole bunch of Misery-themed movies that also happen to be, I guess, spooky or whatever the fuck. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm joined by a couple of our regular Misery Tourism contributors. Uh, three of our regular Misery Tourism contributors. First of all, my name is Will. Uh, joining me for the first time in, I don't know, three or four podcasts is Misery Tourism co-founder Rudy. Hello there. Um, and... Back again is AJ. Yo. And Brandon. Glad to be here. So to give you a general sense of how this works, uh, basically the podcast is divided into roughly two parts. The first half of the podcast, we're going to be talking about uh, the movie of the week or the movie of the cast in kind of broad general terms. We're going to be talking about it thematically and eventually we're going to review the film and give our own and each of us will rate the film um but the main thing is that during that first half that first half an hour or however long it goes we're going to refrain from any spoilers we're going to try to keep things spoiler free so that you can safely listen to it if you haven't watched the film after that during the second half we will do a deeper dive into the film and we'll start we'll start discussing specific scenes We'll start talking about uh, maybe the ending of the film, some major plot points of the film, so on and so forth. And of course, during that second half, there will be spoilers, but we will warn you before we move into the spoiler-filled second half. So in this episode, we're going to be discussing the film 13 Demons, which is kind of an odd coincidence. This This is our 13th episode. Uh, Brandon, you chose this film, actually. Did you know this was going to be episode 13 when you picked the film I 13 Demons? Or, no idea. Not a clue. Uh, that's kind of a happy accident. Miserable accident, as the case may be. <laughs> Miserable accident, yeah. So, that yeah, that is weird. If only we were recording this a week earlier, we could be recording the 13th episode about 13 Demons on Friday the 13th. But we uh, fucking yep. missed the boat there, I guess. Yep. And instead, we watched Zombievers. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. God, that was. God. But anyway, we we're not going to dwell on that. Let's not. Yeah. Let's, maybe let's uh, not we may be talking about tragedy on this podcast, tragic movies. But let's not revisit that particular tragedy. Although I'm sure we will at some point during this episode. It's point of comparison and contrast. Um, so anyway, uh, like I said, we're kind of doing Halloween themed films on this podcast, uh, this week or this for the month of October. Mm -hmm. So Brandon, why don't you get us started? First of all, talk about like, what's this film about? Give us a quick 30 second synopsis of this film. And then also 
explain to me why you consider this to be a Halloween film, because AJ was a little incredulous on that point during uh, while we were watching the movie. Uh, well, a quick synopsis is uh, three avid game players, computer and board game fans, uh, come across an antique game that has been banned all pretty much everywhere because of mysterious deaths that surround it. Um, all back to the old uh, Jack Chick scares regarding D&D back in the, the late 70s, early 80s, and that whole climate of role-playing games or the devil. The reason that I picked it for this was, one, obviously, we're a bunch of gamers. Yes. <laughs> what we have done for the better part of, uh, of our lives uh, for better or for worse, this is this is what we do, and kind of a fitting thing for us to go into, and had some interesting topics that we could discuss at length. And I can understand why maybe it's not really seen as a Halloween movie right off the bat, but involves murder. I think is a fair game. Yeah, and I mean. <laughs> I feel like AJ wants to interject. AJ? No, no, I'm good. I'm just trying to hold back my, like, dismissive snorts, honestly. <laughs> That's fair enough. So, um, I'm glad you mentioned Jack Chick and the whole um, D&D panic of the 80s, because it's pretty clear that this film is channeling that. And also, like, Mazes and Monsters and, and all of that. Yeah. That whole period of like RPG panic, or <laughs> but I don't know. I, I guess that's a good, as good a point of entry into this movie as any. Um, now I have. Has anyone here seen Mazes and Monsters? I haven't. I'm just asking because I'm wondering if anyone else maybe has. I have not. seen it a long, long time ago, though. Uh, yeah, I, I was just, you know, I thought maybe we could do a, some kind of comparison there, but if mm -hmm. nobody's seen it, uh, certainly we've all kind of read the Jack Chick comics, and we all have heard about, you know, that period of paranoia, <laughs> that that kind of moment in time when gaming became sort of, was sort of a weirdly insurgent fad, and there was a a backlash against it, which I guess is comparable to the backlash of the post Columbine backlash against violent video games in the nineties. Uh, you know, it, it's that same kind of scapegoating, I guess you could say happened with tabletop games and RPGs. Yeah. But I guess my question is, do you think that this film is an RPG panic film like basically mazes and monsters on a lower budget. <laughs> um, wasn't Tom Hanks in that? Yeah, he was, I think. So wow. So anyway, so mazes and monsters with wow. a lower budget, and definitely without Tom Hanks. Or do you think this is supposed to be some kind of satire of RPG panic films? Or do you think something else is going on? Is it like a Homage, I feel like mind? there was some degree of 
Yeah, I think I think homage is a is a fair category to put it into. I think there is definitely elements of satire. Acting was definitely over the top um, and very very exaggerated. And I think that was I don't think that was a coincidence. I think that was very much intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, it clearly had no budget, which worked and didn't work at the same time for me. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is undoubtedly... Yeah, I, I, I think there is definitely a degree of an homage factor. Yeah, this is undoubtedly, I would say, not even a low-budget film. I would call this a no-budget film. In fact, <laughs> um, when we EJ and I watched it together, and when the credits rolled, um, there was a special <laughs> thing section in the credits, uh, at the end of the credits, and AJ was like, oh, those must be the Kickstarter backers. <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty much the level um i'm not sure i want actually i wanted to learn a little bit more about this movie but i have a strict mm-hmm. policy um as sad as it is considering no one listens to this podcast i will not read reviews of a film between watching it and doing the podcast because i don't want to be like regurgitating someone else's talking points or to have the reviews I read like influence my opinion of the film. So the first, but I did want to know like the history of how this film was made uh, because it was, it's intriguing to me. First of all, when you pull it up on Netflix, it's rated TVMA. It's not rated R. (laughs) So it was, it never got a theatrical release because it was never rated for theatrical release. So it must have, premiered on TV first and foremost. Uh, so the first, uh, I wanted to know what the what, what what happened here. So the first thing I did was I put the name of the movie into Wikipedia. And what do you know? It's not notable enough to have a Wikipedia page. So um, I Googled it, but everything that came up for a Google um, result were reviews of the film in like obscure horror sites. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and I didn't want to click on those because I didn't want... So the, the origin of this film, much like the origin of the game in this film, really remains a mystery to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to check it out on IMDb right now, actually. It looks like the estimated budget was around $1 million. What? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Where did it go? I mean, I noticed there was a caterer in the credits, but... <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I honestly don't know on that. Um, there could be any number of things because that's probably also factoring in advertising, getting the distribution. Was go. There are a lot of ways that they could fill out that budget. Uh, well, it definitely wasn't in the special effects department, but no, <laughs> no. Or in like hiring actors, it's, it's kind of <laughs> important. I think I think it's pretty important to know that. One man wrote, directed, and starred in this film, <laughs> yeah, along yeah. with two of his friends. <laughs> Probably. It's funny while we were watching yeah. it, I, I I said to AJ, I said AJ, one of those three guys wrote this film. He's directing the film, and he may be holding the camera whenever he's not on screen. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually guessed the wrong yeah, friend. Yeah. There, for those of you listening, there are three friends in this film, and um, three main characters, and two of them 
look very much like they were cast to be in this film because they strike that perfect balance between yeah. like looking like fantasy characters, like shaggy haired, like <laughs> uh, knockoff Aragorns or whatever. And uh, also looking like exactly the kind of semi homeless nerd who would, <laughs> you know, would, would spend all day playing board games with his friends uh, which is, which is oh, yeah. to say that they all have full beards and like, uh, no offense, but <laughs> they all have full beards and like ass length hair, right? And uh, and I, so I and there's a third guy who looks nerdy, but you know he, he's got glasses and he has short hair and he struck me. I looked at that guy and I'm like, that guy, he's got the look of someone who probably wrote this film and and may have directed it and if someone's a, kind of the 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 uh, auteur <laughs> filmmaker <laughs> here it's probably him but it's actually one of the other guys that guy was apparently cast or whatever so yeah i was thinking the same thing i thought the same guy the guy with the short hair was going to be the guy who like you know was pulling the strings but it wasn't and it wasn't like the second guy who would be my second choice it was like it was the player three, as he's credited. But it's so I don't know. The one um, who coincidentally also has red hair like Brandon. I thought he was a blonde. Yeah. Was Only the beard is red. That's <laughs> <laughs> Only the beard, Brandon. Only oh. the beard. N never mind. Never mind. Um <laughs> I don't know, but I think that, I mean, I'm going to guess it certainly looks like the two other main characters were probably close personal friends of the director. Uh, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe yeah, he went to a casting agent and maybe he found the best uh, professional or amateur <laughs> actors for the job, but they sure look to me like they'd spent a lot of time around that table table playing board games together yeah. Yeah. and also like and and our part actually felt natural because you look like people that belong sitting around a gaming table they they do at yeah. that uh and we may be able to get into that in a little more detail later but uh another thing i noticed though which really made me think that this was a zero budget production is that a lot of the like supporting characters and there aren't many of them who pop up for just a scene or two sure look like they were pulled from the same pool of friends <laughs> yeah. yeah like there's one fat guy with a goatee or a, i think it's actually a soul patch not a goatee there's another like really tall skinny lanky guy who um you know who has a he has a look about it. look listen i can i can say <laughs> these things because of who i am right <laughs> oh yeah yeah exactly People. I mean, these are our people. Let's let's be honest here. They sure looked like our kind, and I don't think that. Once again, I don't really think that there was a casting agent who who decided that this mechanic should uh, like look like he spends sixteen hours a day sorting his Magic the Gathering cards. Like, it was a little bit of an odd <laughs> casting choice, right? <laughs> Although I will say that the cops look like friends of theirs and uh my until someone actually tells me the history of this movie uh, i've reached the conclusion that the cops are all played by their fathers 
Yeah, I would believe that, actually. I, I would believe that. Like, Dad, I needed I, someone to play a stern authority figure. <laughs> I think I did see some parents of one of them credited in the, in, in the in credits, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they were credited for that or if it was just a thanks to Mommy and Daddy or whatever. Yeah, I mean, probably. I mean, honestly, probably not. I'm just screwing around here. Um, and the cops actually, their acting was on a slightly higher plane. Now, they were not like, you know, we're not talking about <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis here, but their acting was on a slightly higher plane than some of the other performances. So I'm kind of wondering if they weren't um, actual actors who were paid to appear in two scenes. Yeah, yeah. But I don't want to give – we're talking about cops. We're, we're giving maybe too much of right. the movie away, although the cops do appear in the first scene of the movie, so maybe not. Yeah, it is the, it, yeah. that's in the first five minutes. Um, the cops, I felt, were actually – because it was a very straightforward role. Yeah. Interrogation. I mean, that's that's a straightforward grasp concept for an actor that it doesn't matter really how experienced they are. If you tell someone go in, go into this room and act angry at the cr- guy with the beard that's acting a little crazy, with a with a lot of blood on him. That's in the first. With a lot of blood on him. Yeah. Yes. Well, which I thought and, maybe and, they uh, would have hosed him down, but what do I know about police procedure? That's <laughs> uh, that was definitely a little strange. Well, I want to say something, but I might incriminate myself, so I won't. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rudy, I mean, it, it's 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 pub public knowledge oh. now, right? Those records well, are. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, well, having some experience with uh, police uh, hosing people down, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know for a fact that they would have hosed these guys down. <laughs> uh, that's all I'll say. I'll say I know. <laughs> I believe firmly that. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> that these guys would have would have taken <laughs> that they would at least wash the blood off because yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, let, let's let's walk it back though to the question of we never really got too deep into the question of what like what is this movie's relationship with like mazes and monsters and Jack Chick comics and like the whole like history of D and D panic. Anyone want to jump in on that? How they feel about that? Uh, well, I have some ideas about it. Um, I think more than D and D Panic, this is like a homage. Like we mentioned, homage. Yeah. To, you know, to mazes and monsters and stuff like that. But I think this is actually homage to like the thespian role playing style more than anything. Really? Um, Let's talk some more about that. Well, I think like just the way the uh, especially towards the middle of the movie, the way uh, there's long monologues from each of the characters um, and the way they deliver those monologues are kind of reminiscent of some things I've seen uh, during my time playing D and D. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's fairly accurate. I mean, you do definitely run into that where people just want to kind of just really can go way, way over the top. And sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's really not good. And, hope that it's going to be entertaining for the other people involved. Yeah, I think it's definitely like heartfelt and um, definitely like friendly homage to thespianism, I guess. I mean, 
I don't think this is a group that looks down on that, <laughs> certainly, uh, from the way they played their characters in the movie. Yeah, I don't see that. I, I was feeling really conflicted about that element of the movie because mm -hmm. on the one hand, it's very like self-evidently clear that everyone involved in this film, and certainly the, the writer, director, star of the film, uh, that they're gamers, that they've done this yeah. before, uh, and, and that they're really into this as a hobby. And uh, as Rudy said, the passion, <laughs> passion for that kind of uh, amateur thespianism, as, as Rudy put it, or basically the passion for fucking giving ham-fisted fantasy <laughs> monologues. <laughs> um, that, 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 you know, that, that is... Monologues. That, that that's that's very apparent which is why it's so weird to me that this movie basically does nothing to subvert or question the like dungeons and dragons makes you not nuts thesis of these older uh, D, D panic these older like paranoid takes on role-playing games because yeah. really there is no attempt to either a, say, satirize that as far as I can tell and come off with, like, no, D&D &D is harmless and this is silly, you know, or to offer, like, a, you know, to, to you know, or to, to play, the, like, I could imagine a movie like this that was a very broad kind of slapsticky parody of... Mm -hmm mazes and monsters or of those jack mm. chick comics um that both was like a send-up of the goofiness of how people play role-playing games and the inherent silliness of that but also the inherent silliness of people thinking that you know these these guys who pretend to be orcs in their basement are going to go out into the world and start swing swinging war hammers around and killing people <laughs> like the, the fact that like could switch from like like silly fantasy to psychosis like that like i could yeah. i could but the movie doesn't function on that level like the movie plays that remarkably straight as far as i can tell anyway i mean it's hard to say because like brandon pointed out the performances are very broad and a lot of it like is very easy to laugh at, but I don't get the sense of this is operating on the plane of like intentional knowing satire. Uh, the other thing they could have done was to dive a little deeper into like the psychology of role playing and the psychology of gaming and to offer a take that goes a little deeper than like the mazes and monsters thing or then like you know, just D and D will like pretending to be an arc will drive you nuts. <laughs> what? You know, and, but that wasn't there. Like, I could easily see a movie that tried to figure, like, tried to delve into the toxic elements of fantasy and the mm -hmm. toxic, the potentially mm -hmm. toxic elements of living a fantasy and of blending fantasy with reality. And uh, certainly, a movie like that would be very timely right now. If you think about it in the wake of Gamergate and in a culture that's overrun with different fandoms and where there's a clear sense of like a lot, there's a lot of guys for whom like 
My Little Pony or Rick and Morty or <laughs> uh, fucking whatever. It, it, like, like the whole Szechuan sauce there, yeah, like, if you want to be really sauce. timely. Like the <laughs> idea that these guys would take that aspect of their fantasy. And, and for the record, I think I, I watch Rick and Morty. I think it's one of the funniest comedies on right now but the idea that someone would take that element of this like narrative fantasy so seriously that they would throw an absolute fit in a public place about it yeah about something and and not because like like they've ever tasted the szechuan sauce before or they really like <laughs> it's not, like it's some kind of legitimate addiction to the product that they're it's not even about the product they're after it's about the way they've so internal internalized like the like their self-perception is so caught up in their identify identification with this fantasy world mm -hmm. this fictional world and it's not just you know it, it's not just um the that crowd either you know it, it happens because i have a feeling like if you talk about <laughs> like the My Little Pony guys and the Gamer Gators, which is another big example of like this, this blurring of a this, like cultivation of this really toxic space between gaming or between fantasy and reality. Uh, but it's not just, and all of those things are very much perceived as being, I guess, very masculine and very, well, not masculine, but very, very much a function of like toxic male culture and toxic right wing male culture. I do want to give a shout out to like <laughs> this, to the, the equally, uh, I don't want to use the word problematic, but I will use the pro word problematic <laughs> since the people I'm talking about would, the Steven Universe fans and the very <laughs> bizarre, AJ, why don't you expound <laughs> the various bizarre. Am, yeah, that, that's, that's my crowd, basically. It's the Tumblr fangirls, the the Sherlock, the Doctor Who, Steven Universe, Tumblr fangirl crowd. Marvel, they they're definitely into Marvel. Um, and, I, and it and I, gets to the same point where it's about this like type of obsession with um, the characters more than it seems to be an obsession with like the I don't know there's a very it's very different but similar I I, I feel it's well, kind of sorry the, no no but okay well I, I was just going to say basically the way I feel about it is the fandom becomes a lens through which they interpret reality instead of vice versa mm -hmm. right and the fandom becomes a lens even through which they interpret social issues politics and it, yeah definitely profoundly complex human problems suddenly become a function of silly fictional worlds and so there was a real possible you could really this movie could really have gone after that you know and tried to tease out that psychosis or that maybe not psychosis but that that you know um Crutch. That fuck it. That psychosis, <laughs> and tried to tie it in with and uh, used like figured out a through line between that and like 
mazes and monsters in the old D&D panic mm. films and have really offered something that I think would have been incredibly timely and would have said something. But the movie makes no attempt to do that. It makes no attempt to figure out even, I think, why someone would be drawn. And Bebo, you can you can feel free to object to this. Mm-hmm. Why someone would be drawn to that kind of – to abandon reality for fantasy. Um, it, because in this film, it's basically – it's basically a supernatural event. I mean, it, it's all really pinned on the game itself, which is another place where it fails to transcend like the source material that it may or may not be playing homage to, right? Yeah. Something that I'm going to touch on more when we get into the spoiler section, because I think my viewing experience may have been a little bit different, but I can't really go into that without discussing specific plot points. But I think that's definitely a good point that, they portray it and the press for the movie portrays it is that this is a a supernaturally charged game where there's an external influence of some sort leading for all of this to happen and that's and that seems to kind of carry through with how the plot drives but next section I'll kind of I'll kind of discuss why I don't think that may have necessarily been what was going on and how it could have been a much better movie that way um but yeah i think so you, that if they would have there done may be more going on here than meets the eye then there may have been something else entirely going on really well i, I i'm actually very interested to hear that theory and maybe as soon as we move to the spoiler section you can even open with that because i would love to believe that i missed something and that they're doing something more with this film than i think right uh there but for me there was one thing that i think that they did very well in terms of the tone of the movie it was something that kind of put some actual tension into it they didn't expect explicitly was going on the uh the hallucination scenes that were just so atrocious special effects wise is into what my interpretation is and again i'll i'll get into that more but the tension was in different ways than what you would normally see aj it sounds like you're disagreeing <laughs> with him about those about the so what you're saying brandon i think is that you feel like the decision to rather than show these grisly murders that might or might not be influenced by this board game to cut away to these sort of more abstract, as you said, hallucination scenes that are shot in like mm-hmm. uh, shot in like with like or light behind a sheet. Yeah, it, it, that's <laughs> true. I mean, that's one way to put it. Um, I mean. But he shot in this almost like I don't know. I was thinking of like an '80s music video or something when I saw them, like in a metal yeah. metal video. But you're saying that that's certainly an improvement over really doubling down on like scenes of grisly homicide, it, especially with not having me. It did anyway. Um, Sorry, you broke up a little bit, bit there, but I think you said especially no. with not having the budget to do it. Yeah, yeah. Without having the budget to do either the Grizzly murders effectively or without having the budget to 
do like a full on demonic sequence effectively. <laughs> I think that the hallucination was actually kind of was for the hallucination was kind of a way that they could have made the most with what little they had to work with. Mm. I mean, mm. I, I know I made fun of Zombievers quite a bit for having special effects straight out of store on November 1st that they just kind of threw money at whatever they could get on clearance. Um, in this movie, especially given the fact that, as you said, gamers, these guys are, these guys, these guys are geeks. Let's, let's call it what it is. These are probably guys that just raided their Halloween closet and grabbed costumes that they've had on hand for, you know, 10, 15 years and cobbled them together to create these demon effects for the hallucination scenes, and it worked for me. So, AJ, you, um, I don't think you necessarily agree with Brandon on this point. It sounded yeah. like you were about to interject. <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely agree that, like, I, I'll, I'll admit that there are definitely worse things we could have done with the hallucination scenes. I, there's, um... I don't think they were terrible. I mean, they weren't the worst part of the movie. <laughs> Being so charitable, <laughs> say what you really mean. Um, but like what I what I actually what I heard, and Brandon, feel free to correct me if like this isn't what you meant. But um, mm -hmm. I heard you say that um, you liked that they weren't like explicit about. Um, about the the influence that the game had on them, right? And I would disagree with that. Um, and that somewhat, is fair enough. Somewhat. I'll, I'll discuss yeah. more after the spoiler break. As far as why. Okay. Perhaps we should um, push that discussion till after the spoiler break then. Okay. Well, I thought you were going to talk about the hallucination scenes, which I actually thought, honestly, were some of my favorite scenes in the movie by far. Uh, I thought that the, like, weird uh, 80s music video style was actually very fitting for what they're trying to either parody or um, rip off or <laughs> play homage to or whatever. It, like, I really... I thought those scenes were a little pretty visually inventive and I did appreciate the fact that they didn't um, have too many scenes of either like graphic fantasy violence or like silly real life violence. I did like the way that that was kind of shot in a way that makes what's actually going on ambiguous, even if the rest of the movie didn't, really pay off that ambiguity in any way but mostly i just thought that was on the one it, it it was in that perfect kind of space between like cheesy cool and like well not real cool it was just the perfect kind of like cheesy throwback sort of cool and um it, it was just it, it just silly and inventive enough i thought to make those scenes interesting i would actually disagree with you as well really okay 
I, to me, they just came across as cheesy. Like, there's, as part of the hallucination scenes, the first, like, second or so is just plain um, digital effects, a a couple colors swirling on the screen. I thought that was cool. But as soon as it broke off into anything more than that, it was... (laughs) It, it, I, I really disliked it, honestly. It was just dumb, and the way that they portray the other characters in that scene was like it, it had me Agent, like, oh god, you know. Agent continuing with her long running grudge against representational images in film. <laughs> like the, presence of Im- the presence of images I can recognize is the moment I lo- this film lost me. <laughs> But it wasn't. It was like absurd. It was. It was stupid. Like, imagine the worst uh, haunted house that you'd go to. That like, the dude, your neighbor down the street set up, and then you know he jumps out from around the corner like, ah, I'm a demon. You know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was was really fucking bad, and it did nothing for me like aesthetically at all. Really. I mean, I agree those scenes weren't remotely scary, um, but they did have, you know what they reminded me of, and maybe this is why I liked it a little bit, they they reminded me of the, and this is going to be such an obscure reference, no, nobody <laughs> I think I know where you're going with this already. is going to get it, but the video that shipped with the Dragon Strike game. <laughs> yes. Absolutely, absolutely. And it was just that level of like late eighties, early nineties. Like, this is a cool visual effect cheese. Yeah, it just fits so that well. Oversaturated with color. Yeah, the and it's a goofy demon colored, outfit, which uh, is enhanced yeah. by the fact that you never see the demon's face. The silly, like the horns on the. Co- it was just so like it was really evocative of a place and time as remembered through the lens of bad cinema. (laughs) And I thought that that was the one moment in the movie. And I felt like the whole movie was trying to do that. And it was only in these hallucination films that it came close to nailing that. I agree with that actually. Yeah. Rudy, why don't you kind of, you've been kind of on the sidelines here. Why don't you say a little more? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely, there's a callback to the dragon strike video for sure. I mean, (laughs) Uh, but one thing it also reminded me of is those Ralph Bakshi films, uh, the, like the Lord of the Rings, uh, where they use the rotoscoping, the old school, uh, you know, the rotoscoping over the live images. And I guess that those are films I think or I feel that uh, these that guys would have watched. <laughs> right there, I was going to say they're in the the kind of film pantheon of a lot of D and D players, so. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you're dead on there. I with the, I didn't even think of that, but I, I absolutely think that there was a little bit of a, a little bit of a callback to those kind of movies as well. Definitely. Does anyone want to say anything more about the uh, hallucination scenes before we move on? Uh. I think I'm good on that. Okay. So uh, there are two things that I definitely want to talk about, and you guys can feel free to feel free to mm-hmm. fill in some more uh, as we go. But there are two things I definitely want to talk about before we get to our reviews. Um, 
one thing is how we feel about this film as gamers, which is, as Brandon says, I mean, <laughs> kind of, a, if we're going to talk about this, we might as well talk about it from that perspective. And the other thing is talk more about the style of this film or this film as film. So let's start, start with the gamer thing. Um, now, for those of you who don't know, we are sort of kind of amateur game designers. Uh, a while ago, Rudy and I kickstarted a collection of games called the Misery Index, and uh, we—if you go on our site miserytourism.com—you'll find mixed in with the other odds and ends and weird, perverse shit, you'll find uh, a few role-playing games in there, a few tabletop games, and Brandon um, also does a little bit of indie RPG design and. Uh, AJ as well, and also we've certainly all played our share of board games, of role-playing games, of video games, of, of, of all of those things. So it would be silly for us to pretend we're just looking at this film as film critics. So let's talk. Let's let's fucking geek out here and be losers for. I mean, we're gonna we're losers twenty four seven. But let's double down <laughs> on the fact that we're losers yeah. for the next few minutes and talk about this as as gamers. Anyone want to jump in there? Sure, I'll start. Um, I mean, as a gamer, obviously we've all we're all familiar with the Jack Chicks saga, and scrutiny was thrown at the hobby because of of the whole D and D panic and how much damage it could have done to the hobby, but also how much that kind of spread the gospel and spread the seed of what the hobby was and what it could become, and is gamers should be thankful for it. Without so that I, kind of bad press, it wouldn't have gotten to be as huge as it is. I mean, that is kind of one of the ironies of any moral panic, right? Is that it helps to spread the popularity of exactly the thing that people are panicking about. Because it gives it kind of a mystique. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It makes it cool. Well, it's just it it makes to the degree that gaming could ever be cool. Let's see what all the hype is about. And hype is is such a thing in that sense. And, I mean, you kind of witness that in part of the movie where the guy who brings the game to all of his friends is like, Sis, this is, this is the game that was banned after all those people died. You know, the guy is actually <laughs> genuinely excited and he genuinely geeks out over the idea of playing this game that is you know, supposedly responsible for all this horrible stuff. And I mean, if that's not being a gamer, I don't know what is. <laughs> that's true. There's that element of, you always think about it when you hear about a new game being put out and you hear all these reviews about what it isn't. It's a lot of times there's that bile fascination that comes into play and there's that, that desire to want to understand what everyone is talking about and wanting yeah. to know what's so great about this and what's so bad about this. Yeah. That was something that I really enjoyed with this movie is that they captured that. They captured the essence of being a gamer that's looking for this kind of obscure insanity nonsense when it comes to gaming. I, I, I agree with that. I'm, going to be honest with me, I felt intellectually insulted by the idea of a banned game. 
having lived through all of that shit, li having lived through, I don't know if you remember uh, after Columbine when there was like some talk that like, oh, you know, one of the rumors was, oh, you know, they're going to make it illegal for, you know, you're going to need to be 21 or over to legally buy a game yeah. there and stuff like that. <laughs> the reality is that yeah. in this country, we have a wonderful thing called the First Amendment to the Constitution, and which has been interpreted increasingly liberally, especially over the course of the last four decades or so, to the point that it would be very, very difficult to legitimately ban a game. Right, <laughs> right. And also just yeah. the idea to ban it on the basis of what basically comes down to I mean, it's never particularly well fleshed out in the film, but it seems to come down to like shit that like you would look up on Snopes.com and it would have a big unproven <laughs> or false next to it, you know, oh, like yeah, uh, yeah. conspiracy theories and rumors and folk tales and old wives tales and all of that. Like the whole idea of, I mean, I, I know that there's a lot more in this movie that strains credulity than that, but the whole idea of, of the game being like, banned and, it, and yeah, also the idea yeah. that there wouldn't have been like a million different psychological studies looking into like the like you know how many fucking academics would have made that their bread and butter like trying to figure out what this game absolutely the mind-altering effects of 13 demons particularly since this <laughs> film is set in the present day and theoretically the previous um <clears throat> The, the killing sprees or whatever happened during the 70s. I mean, that would have been 30 years of, of pay dirt for the psychology departments across the country. You know, it wouldn't, these games wouldn't just be like, it wouldn't have just been banned into obscurity and nobody talks about, you know. But, but anyway, that's, once again, that's asking a lot of a movie that obviously didn't think about. That, let me just say this: right. put a lot more thought into the fantasy world within the game they're playing <laughs> than to the world that their characters oh, exist really? in, which I'm sure is no accident. Or if it is, well, anyway. Um, but here's a question I have for you guys: as gamers, would you play the game? Is setting aside the shit about how it drives you nuts and makes you kill people, would you play the game? in this film and do you if you did play it do you think you'd enjoy it can i go first sure okay my my the first question is would you play it and due to the fact that like i have no other friends if you guys were playing i'd be down because <laughs> 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 i wouldn't want to be left out however would i enjoy it Fuck no! This game was like the shittiest <laughs> fucking game. And, and to fucking put in my piece, I, I feel kind of like a poser, but as a gamer, quotes. <laughs> I I am I'm not a gamer like you guys. I'm, well, you're you're but you're really into tabletop games. You're perhaps more into tabletop games, a, a, aka board games. I am, are. but I have no um. None of that similar cultural background. That you oh yeah, yeah, about. fantasy, yeah, yeah, right. And I hate yeah. fantasy. I mean, <laughs> I I really dislike fantasy as a genre, like across the board. <laughs> but you know, I have absolutely, <laughs> I have absolutely 
no respect for this game. And also, it looks like such shitty mechanics, and you spend most of the game just reading aloud <laughs> these stupid fantasy <laughs> words. Like, and it's like, like a fucking predictive text uh. editor just took a bunch of fantasy names and fucking strong words together, you know? <laughs> That yeah, that that was my take. This to me seems like the worst fucking conceivable combination of role playing game and board game. Yeah. In that it has all of like in that the game mechanics are just six purely random six sided die rolls that dictate what you do next. <laughs> <laughs> with like apparently no level of player choice at all yeah and, but your reward for playing the game is to get to read huge chunks of text <laughs> from the manual and th yeah. that's horrific that's yeah. the worst combination of like your dm like blandly reading off the contents <laughs> of a dnd &D module and um having to play, like, Candyland, where the only thing you do is roll a die and move. I mean, it has none of the... It has none of the competitive, innovative mechanics of a really good, exciting board game, and none of the actual immersive role-playing elements of an RPG. It's literally roll a die and read... <laughs> and read awkwardly out loud in front of your friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, can I say, one of my first big hints that the writer, director, and actor were all the same dude was the length of these fucking massive blocks of fantasy text in the yeah. movie. I swear to God, this guy... Either he designed this game first or he wrote a fantasy novel and that just didn't work out for him. And he's like, I have 73 pages of, of, of fantasy environmental prompts that I am really <laughs> proud of. And I want to make sure every one of them gets read in this film. Like, how am I going to use them? Well, okay, we'll make a movie. And in that movie, people will just read off my really cool – and they're awful, by the way. They're horrendous. They're so bad. They're, 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 they are yeah. really bad. But, oh, they're every, they're every cliche in the book. And that's supposed to be the <laughs> thing that, like, hooks people to yeah. the game. But those were the moments in the movie I was most turned off. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, as a game, no, I, I don't think so. Though, to to give it some props, at least during this movie, you could potentially fall asleep if you wanted to. Unlike zombies, <laughs> <laughs> where you yeah. were begging to fall asleep and couldn't. Uh, but, uh, Rudy, I really want to hear your opinion of this as a game. <laughs> uh, okay, so... <laughs> um, what was the question? Uh, would I play it, and what's the other part of it? The question is, would you, if uh, if you had the opportunity, would you play this game, and do you think you would enjoy it? Oh yeah, I mean, I would play it just because. Uh, I mean, I think it was Vincent Baker that said, or so one of the indie RPG designers that said, uh, gaming is uh, what you do at the table is just a conversation, and the game rules, you know, affect that in some way i'd love to have that conversation you know murdering people and that kind of stuff that, <laughs> that <laughs> what rules there are there i feel they facilitate that 
especially reading the long blocks of text. And uh, you know, I'd like to murder somebody after hearing that story. So I did. I don't think I would enjoy playing it. No. No. Uh, I mean, assuming that it. I mean. One, okay, if it leads to you killing people, if this is just all a way to like let loose a part of yourself who has just been dying to kill someone, <laughs> then yeah. maybe it's worth it. But assuming that like you didn't, looking at the game just as a game, assuming that you weren't destined to go psychotic and kill someone. Yeah, well, let me say this. Like one thing that I really hate about movies that uh, take games, um, that, that use games as the focus. Um, is the lack of imagination as far as the mechanics and how little is actually thought of. I mean, from this and, you know, like Jumanji and that kind of stuff, the mechanics are always, like, in the background uh, when the mechanics of play are kind of central to the experience of playing a game. I mean, right. and I don't, like, it's just that when you already, like, when you already have kind of, like, a blank slate to do whatever you want, like there's so much you could do with imagining games that fit outside of the normal, um, you know, outside the laws of reality. I mean, this is a game that obviously it makes people kill each other and do that kind of stuff. It's a magic game. Yeah. But if you were going to make a movie about a magic game, I mean, imagine all the things you could do theoretically, you know, as far as with rules and that kind of stuff. Like just to give an example, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here or anything, but just to give an example, um, like, I kind of partially designed a game in my head about uh, inner-city children who hunted rats, and uh, they used them as Pokemon to basically... I don't know. Do you remember that game, Hank? Uh, vaguely, yes. Yeah. Well, And, like, the more dangerous the animal that you hunted was... Um, right. And in the, real life. The better, in real life, yeah. In real, the sense is that, like, the... It was a role-playing game, and but the yeah. real-life mechanics involved capturing dangerous. Capturing animals. dangerous, and so if like you catch a rat, it's maybe like, you know, a little bit of power. But if you catch like a black widow spider, like you can, you know, you can whoop somebody's ass with that in the game. Mm -hmm. And obviously, that's a game that would never, should probably never be played. And I'm a real fan of that I, type of unplayable I also game. You, uh, developing this. Yeah. Okay. But uh, I, I'm a real fan of like unplayable or theoretical games, uh, partly because a lot of mine are fit into that category. Or <laughs> <laughs> right, right uh, on the line between playable. Or right on the line, yeah. But um, so I mean the the space that they had, you know, to do uh to do things with the premise, I feel it was kind of dropping the ball to really not mention the mechanics at all, or not really think about the mechanics at all, you know. At all, and the one thing that got me uh, was when he said they. I, I think it was like he had to cross a road or something. It was like roll three. To, if you roll three, you go left. If you roll four, you go right. It's like, well, you're rolling a d6. So what about the other? <laughs> right. When I was watching that, I said, well, what happens if you roll yeah. a one, two, a one, two, five, or six? Right. Yeah. Do you roll again? Well, what happens? Yeah. Yeah. But I think it was a real wasted opportunity to not pursue some kind of not it doesn't necessarily have to be innovative, but unreal mechanics, you know, just yeah. strange, you know, that reflect oh, yeah. Can I say can I say that um they whatever role that like 
the movie insinuated they wanted, they got every single yeah. play. <laughs> now, but yeah. that's because the game's magic, H.J. Oh, huh. That's just confirmation that the game is supernatural. But yeah, it's a fucking cop-out. Why are you even playing a game? It's on rails! Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a plot <laughs> device. Yeah, that, that's definitely a plot device. But yeah. not an interesting one at all. But B-Boy, how did you feel about this game as a game? As a gamer, I would definitely play it. I think with any game with that kind of hype, I would have a hard time saying, on that. enjoy it. Oh, God, no. I mean, you even listen <laughs> to the characters in the movie. When they start playing it, they're like, oh, this is awful, terrible. Like, the, the characters weren't even excited about playing it at the beginning. Right. As the things started to build and, and they started to kind of get tension of it, that they even started to show any signs of enjoyment or the compulsion to continue to play it. But no, I, I definitely wouldn't enjoy playing it. That's a it's a terrible, terrible mechanic. I mean, there's no there's no clear direction of what is forward within this square. What direction are you moving in? Whatever direction you want, what are you doing? Yeah. And like you said, with the weird the weird die number mechanics, like what what even is that? But at the same time, I also remember back to the aforementioned Dragon Strike that I got <laughs> when I was like nine years old, whatever year that came out. And I remember being confused as fuck. Yeah. Hell, I was even supposed to begin playing it. Yeah. Be yeah. Because uh, the, the mechanics were so convoluted. So it could be a case where the actual game's mechanics were supposed to be so and these three dumbasses had no idea what they were doing, and they were just, oh, well, I'll roll the die, and then whatever it says, that's what we'd do. Well, you know, or my, there was supposed to be more to it, or what? One of my favorite uh, moments, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, and I think this comes early enough that it's not a spoiler, um, is the scene where they are learning to play the game. A lot of the scenes in this movie to me did not seem true to life, true to human behavior, true to human psychology at all. But that scene fucking nailed it where he's awkwardly like how many times have we played a game and one guy and someone has to read the manual and he's awkwardly looking through <laughs> it and everyone else is like, well, how do we play the game? You fucking made me sit down to play this. How's it? And he's like, yeah. and, I, and I really related to that because usually I'm that fucking guy and you guys are like, well, okay. It's like, and I'm like, I'm trying to read the fucking manual here. But it's like, oh, well, I think you do this. Wait, no, you do that first. What do you do? You, maybe you put that piece there and everyone else is like just tell me what to do motherfucker and you're like i don't know i didn't read the manual in advance yeah <laughs> and that yeah. felt 100 real and just like the antipathy turns the game during that period where you're learning how to play the game is true even of a good game and i i enjoy i appreciated that was the moment i was sure these guys actually had played oh, tabletop yeah. games and rpgs before yeah yeah most definitely and sadly, the rest of the game, the rest of the presentation of the game in the movie didn't live up to that at all. Like I said, this was just a weird, like, it's like they didn't really want to make, they want, for some reason, they wanted it to be about a tabletop game, a board game rather than an RPG. Mm. And I'm not sure why that was, 
maybe because they thought it'd be more relatable or they really wanted to have the board there as a kind of like talisman or focal point or something. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But it was also clear that they wanted the game to feel as much like it, the experience of playing like an old RPG module as possible. And the end result, though, was is a game that doesn't make a fuck of a lot of sense. And also, yeah. to the degree that you can understand it, looks really unfun. And <laughs> it, it has such a real vanity feel to it because of those huge blocks of text. It's like... You know the game designer, or in this case, the screenwriter, was fucking getting off. But I can't imagine anyone playing it could really enjoy it because nobody likes to just sit there and read. I know I'm I'm getting I'm repeating myself here, but nobody wants to sit there and read poorly <laughs> written blocks of Tolkien ripoff fantasy text awkwardly in front of their friends. Nobody wants to do that. Maybe you want to act out your own silly Tolkien fantasy in front of your friends and watch them respond to it with their own silly fantasy. Maybe you want to try to troll your friends' fantasy. <laughs> Maybe you want to subvert <laughs> or fuck with their fantasies, whatever. But you don't want to just read off some other dude's masturbatory fantasy. Yeah. I think. True. Especially if you can't steadily pronounce one of the main words used in that <laughs> fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, don't get me started on fantasy names and fantasy words. And... <laughs> oh. And that that was another thing. I wasn't sure to what degree we were supposed to believe all of that shit was silly, and hmm. to what degree we were supposed to get wrapped up in this guy's big walls of fantasy text. Yeah, I definitely think that there was an element of uh, of satire and, a, you know, hitting the tropes, hitting the standard tropes of, okay, well, you've got these things here and then you've got the busty bar wenches and, you know, they they hit on stereotype G genre and on the fantasy genre as a whole and it was just all over the place and random and... and made any real game unplayable in and of itself. Yeah. Hmm. Themed to what you're doing, just trying to hit every trope all at once with no unifying thread. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the story that the game is telling, by the way, doesn't seem coherent at all. <laughs> uh, every scene seems to stand alone within the game. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And... Uh, we anyway anything else about the game the movie's game as a game the movie from a gamer's perspective uh rudy we haven't given you too much of a chance to dig into that uh i don't really have much to say other than uh like i said they dropped the ball on you know having this you know having huge leeway as far as having a literal magic game i mean you can do anything you want with it I feel they dropped the ball as far as imagining mechanics. I mean, for I mean, I don't... right. Even given their very obviously very limited budget, they could have done more yeah. mechanics. I mean, it takes no money to do that. I mean, it, right. We we do it with no money all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, AJ. 
Uh, it, it's not good. <laughs> not good game. Not good movie, not good game. Not even someone who like likes fantasy would like it. It's dumb. Yeah. Um B Boy, you, you I don't know. I, I thought there was something else I wanted to say about that, but it's mostly slipped my mind. Um about the game as a game? The game as a game or about like the experience of watching these guys play the game. Uh, it was painful? <laughs> often, <laughs> yes. Well, I think it was painful for them. I mean, like I said, at the very start of them playing it, they, they vocally expressed their disdain for how together the game itself was. And that was another moment that I actually thought was kind of true to form as a gamer. Mm. There's that one scene where they where they're getting toward the end of something. They're like, "All right, let's just finish this so that we can at least say that we've accomplished something." <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. How many times? How many sessions of D and D or Pathfinder <laughs> or whatever we've been playing for the last what eighteen years almost? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're closing in on 20 years as a gaming group here. How many sessions over the years have we actually said those words? All right, let's just <laughs> do this one last thing so we can say that we did something tonight. See, yeah. I find that experience is more true of like video games with me in that, especially if you're not really enjoying a game, it's like, well, I'm going to at least accomplish this before I put it down so that I can feel like I accomplished something. I can feel like this time wasn't wasted. I mean, it, it's a perfect, like, um, you know, it, it's what your brain does to you when you're doing something you don't enjoy. It turns it into work. And then in order for work to be fulfilling, you have to accomplish a goal. So you set an arbitrary goal and then you, you, you fucking trick yourself into thinking you've accomplished something. Mm -hmm. And I did like that detail. One thing I didn't buy, though, was the moment when this game apparently becomes enthralling to them or fun to them mm -hmm. or the moment they get sucked into the game or enchanted by the game is when he's reading one of those fucking long blocks of text. And that is <laughs> not that's not true at all, I think, to the experience of playing a game. I think if you're oh, playing no, if no. that happens when you're playing a game, if you go from disliking it to suddenly being enraptured by it, it usually happens during a moment of interaction with the other players, a moment of a legitimate mm -hmm. conflict or maybe rarely cooperation with another player. When something about the mechanics clicks, something about the social experience clicks, and maybe if there's a fictional element, something about the fiction clicks too, and then everything starts to work. And everything starts to suddenly feel fun. What doesn't happen, that does not happen when you're reading a block of text from the manual. <laughs> yeah. No. And there's, there's no moment it like that. It might happen if you're reading a fantastic novel. Books yeah. ever written, I could see that happening. But yeah, no, in a game, reading off the the generic fantasy blocko text, no. No, that's not it. That's not going to do it. It's got to be an inter... And that's where I think this really failed from a game design perspective, is the game actually does basically nothing to encourage interaction between its players. And as a result, the movie doesn't... I, I, it The movie almost 
replicates that failure by not really having any kind of strong interpersonal relationships between its main characters. Mm-hmm. Like it really does feel like they're running on their own separate track through the whole thing. Just like the game is actually designed hilariously to isolate all the players from each other while they play and to guarantee that they can't interact yeah. with each other until the end game, which is horrifically bad game that. design. And they do highlight that. that while they're while they're doing the layout of it. So like what? So you mean we don't even get to play as a team and work together until we all make it to this giant center block of the game board? Yeah. And we don't even get to do that until we clear our square? That's right. Uh, and, and the movie similarly... Yeah, that, that part, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And the movie similarly totally fails to build like any sense of like what's the relationship between these characters you know besides the fact that they're mm-hmm. dudes who game together that's about as deep as it goes yeah. and, and, yeah. and you do feel like they're i would say they're isolated and they're playing out their own storylines but that's not even true it's very much like the game where like within the movie they're not making any choices they're just rolling mm-hmm. the die and responding as the movie dictates and that may be a solid critique of bad game design, yeah. but it doesn't make for a very interesting movie to have your characters mm-hmm. be not even totally reactive, but to have no illusion that they're thinking, feeling, acting for themselves in any real way or have any real human motivations, but instead are just a function of this game. <laughs> um, very accurate. So that kind of segs well into the idea of talking about this movie as a movie which okay i'm just gonna i'm gonna get this off my chest right now i don't every scene in this movie is six minutes too long oh my god (laughs) i was wondering when someone would say it jesus christ (laughs) You have a voice. You can say it yourself, you know. Well, we, we had to wait till the appropriate section or Will would have gotten mad. <laughs> no, AJ, go to town on this. Just... Oh, my fucking God. It, okay, I will give the movie this. There were some legitimately funny parts of the movie. And it would get to a scene and maybe there'd be a part where you would laugh and then it would go on for another fucking six minutes <laughs> and they would do the same fucking thing. Like, okay. <laughs> Particularly with the, with the reading sections from the manual in any other movie, it would have been, you know, possibly 15, 30, maybe even a minute of, you know, a montage of them, reading sections but it just goes on for three minutes and it's it's just like the same it's it's yeah exactly in a film they would have read the first couple of sentences and then there would have been a cut right it's just enough to give you a sense of what the game is like how it's functioning like a montage but in this movie, they read that entire block of text, and then they talk about it, and then within the same scene, another character reads another block of text. Or they have long periods of quote-unquote dialogue where they say the same thing over and over, and they keep expounding and expounding and expounding on something that – 
the movie easily had already totally established within the first few seconds of that scene. And if it was anything, like if there was anything interesting going on there, it could have potentially been like, like with like major tweaks, that could have been a cool mechanic of making everything go on forever. Like kind of a, deja vu sort of dreamlike sort of thing or like those sequences in family guy where like something happens like peter hurts himself and it's mm-hmm. i mean family guy is not funny maybe it was funny 15 but but you know 15 years ago when it was still relatively fresh the one of the running gags was okay something a little funny happens and then it keeps happening and it becomes unfunny then it becomes awkward and painful and then eventually right at the end it starts to become funny again right. uh, and but that wasn't what they were doing here at all th- th- these were just long slabs of exposition this was just the director didn't know when to say cut because he was also the screenwriter and the actor <laughs> so <laughs> everything everything he this is a guy who clearly um i mentioned i remember saying when we were talking about zombievers, there were there were a few different types of bad movies. And one type was the zombievers type, which is just totally a cynical cash-in that's a total mm-hmm. waste of everyone involves time and is basically a con being perpetrated against the audience. But I said there's also another type of bad movie, which is when the director is passionately in love with bad material and doesn't know when to cut things and doesn't know when to say stop. And that's what's going on here. The director, there was nobody to act as a check against this guy because he wrote the whole thing himself. So he was in love with every moment that he wrote in the screenplay. And then he directed it. So he made sure that every single minute from the screenplay, every single word from the screenplay made it into the movie and he edited it. So he, he never thought, oh, maybe we should insert a cut here. And the end result is is a movie that it, that could really benefit from an outside editor swooping in and cutting the entire thing down to about twenty minutes. But AJ, I interrupted you and it go, go. Yeah, I mean, like like you said, this is twenty minutes worth of footage stretched into an hour and thirteen minutes, which makes it like just unwatchable really <laughs> it's just it's just abysmal it it was so painful at moments of they just kept doing the same thing within a scene and i don't think it was exactly that he didn't know how to edit i think there may have been like there may have been a little bit more um obliviousness than that because some of the repetitive parts are just them doing the same thing over and over again (laughs) it's not even like you know i i really want to shoehorn yeah i really want to get my little piece of writing it's just them repeating actions again and again and you have to watch every second of it and it feels like it stretches on for longer than zombievers did almost Rudy, Brandon, do you want to jump in on this? 
Um, I, I can't really disagree with you guys. I mean, I'm the guy that I'm the one that chose this movie and put this movie forth as something to watch so that we could critique it. And so far, honestly, I'm not disappointed because this has, this has been pretty good conversation already. Um, a lot of points where the movie failed and a lot of points where it could have succeeded. And again, I can get into that better in the second half of what we've got going here. Um, for me, yeah, the, the acting was painful. Yeah. Especially the transition as the movie progressed and when and as they started to become more of their as the characters became more of the characters. Uh, that was a really painful process to watch um, as as a as a viewer. Um, <laughs> and as a definitely, gamer. it could have been. And as a gamer, yeah. Uh, although you know, what gamer hasn't had those awkward moments where they're feeling out their character and they well, haven't quite fully fleshed them out yet? And <laughs> that that's what makes it especially but, uh, painful to watch is thinking of yourself doing that and knowing that yeah. you, oh, may, you you may actually look. In yeah. a lot of instances, worse than that. It's like because at least it's like, like oh, these guys God, may have taken a few asshole. community college acting classes, right? And we certainly have not. So. Yeah, yeah there's, uh, there's, there is. There's that moment of oh no, I was that asshole yeah. last week. This was me. It's like oh why why why? You know, there was kind of that that lampshade. Yeah. Um. Pacing was rough. They could have easily filled or and done this as, like, uh, like you said, like a twenty-minute or even a forty-minute, like a Twilight Zone type episode. Mm-hmm. And something like that, I feel like it would have been a much presentation. They could have probably done a lot more with what little they actually had, or they could have. Just just thrown in a lot more variety and gotten more detail into what was going on. Yeah. Uh, personally, I'm not sure which would have been a better idea. I think sh- I think keeping it short and ambiguous would have been superior for me. Yeah, I think, um, like I said, probably 20 minutes. Would have probably been about as much of this film as I could have handled. I think, I think but, that would have been sufficient. But Rudy, I want to get you into this. Uh, boy, I don't have much to say about it, uh, but I'm reminded of a postal service lyric that uh, says, and I want life in every word to the extent that it's absurd. Um, <laughs> and I feel like maybe you guys are not giving these guys who made this on like $35 and a couple sandwiches, like enough. (laughs) (laughs) They had an official caterer. So they they did have a caterer. So it was probably like panini's. Panini's. (laughs) There you go. Yep. But I mean, (laughs) like, I think, uh, I mean, the dialogue was bad. No doubt. The editing was not great. Uh, no doubt. Not there. <laughs> not not non-existent. I mean, I don't know. I don't know much about movies, but I know that this did give me the uncomfortable feeling that you get when you like watch yourself do something really like on camera or something, or like yeah. when you listen to yourself say something really stupid or yeah. Um, just like you said, uh, Hank. That I mean that that to me was the takeaway from this movie is that wow, that made me really uncomfortable. 
And uh, <laughs> honestly, I think that uh, as a horror movie uh, aficionado, I think that uh, you you could appreciate that. I mean, for, you know, just it making you uncomfortable. I mean, that's the job of a horror movie, right? I mean, to make people right. uncomfortable. And it certainly did that more than yeah. most horror movies I've ever watched. So, yeah. <laughs> that's true. I guess this, I didn't think of it that, that way, but I guess this is a sort of horror movie for gamers in that it makes you reflect. Uh, I mean, what are gamers more afraid of, really, than their own inherent social awkwardness? And the fact that they, yeah. they, they trip like like foot over dick into every single social i i saw i i'm sorry i'm sure there are some some gamers out there who aren't like us but i can speak for myself that perpetual feeling of literally fucking stumbling like confused and anxious into every little social situation and the thought yeah. that like you even within the like cloistered like safety of your hobby you might be just constantly humiliating yourself i mean that's pretty that's a pretty <laughs> scary thought uh yeah it is it's it scared me yeah, that's, that's a that's a completely different kind of horror i mean that's that's the most personal horror possible yeah huh. you know i in that direction say, either. That's, I get none of that at all. Hmm. Well, AJ, that's because you're such a socially adept and a charismatic human being who doesn't have to worry about these things. I'm going to accept that. Okay. All right. We're good. <laughs> uh, one thing I did that, do want to talk about while we're talking about the film one one little thing that i need to throw in is um i don't know why they did this and i don't know if it's to the movie's benefit or to its detriment but every single shot is like <laughs> as zoomed in as far as the camera will go and as tight on like everyone's face as possible like from the interrogation scene that opens it to the scenes of them playing the game to to everything like aside from those hallucinatory uh, montages that pop up whenever they uh, they fight a demon the, the camera is always right fucking there like it's in the it's like zoom way the fuck in and yeah, it's it's, then like, it doesn't move after that <laughs> it's not like on their faces it's like on their foreheads <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you see a yeah. lot of foreheads, a lot of sweaty foreheads in this. Video. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it reminds me kind of like National Geographic, you know, or something like that, where they show like the, you know, the picture. Oh, I'm gonna say something that'll get us in trouble, so I won't say. No, it. no, no. Okay, <laughs> go on. We can't get in trouble. This is the internet. Uh, I was gonna say where they show the pictures of the Africans and stuff, the starving Africans, and they've got flies all over their faces and that kind of stuff. You know, it's a shot. Type. It, it almost is, it's like it's designed to shock. Yeah, um, there's that kind of visceral, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's gross. Yeah, there, yeah, there there definitely weren't a lot of wide angle shots, and I think <laughs> that was largely due to the the severe limitations of their their set design. But I'll say their setting. Mm, yeah. yeah. Honestly, I think this whole thing was shot in one apartment and outside somebody's garage. <laughs> yeah. I think those are the only two locations that they used. They just used two different rooms of somebody's apartment. Yeah. One for the gaming room, and then they had another one that was, uh, I don't know, probably somebody's bedroom that just happened to have a large desk in it. 
yeah the the angles and the camera shots i think i think those were very very carefully selected to uh not reveal how little they were working with (laughs) that could be yeah and i agree with you i'm not sure if that worked to the film's benefit or to its detriment because (laughs) i mean it made it incrementally more interesting i guess up to that level of discomfort. Yeah, that's because it is so close. I mean, yeah, I was not comfortable with the sweaty foreheads. I'll admit yeah. that. <laughs> I mean, not wrong. I mean, uh, uh, and, and and honestly, the the sweaty foreheads kind of make sense. I mean, reflect on our own gamer experience. Uh, how many roomfuls of sweaty foreheads have we been in? Over the years, uh, sweaty foreheads is the best case scenario. Yeah, I mean, we were the camera shots were so close that it harkens back to the days in the card shop being packed into a single room with you know 18, 19 guys, and where only probably half of them had showered that week. <laughs> But we were We're all, just just for the record, just for our audience, we were all part of the half that had showered. Very much so. We may not Um, be anymore, but we were there. (laughs) To our discomfort, as with with these camera angles, much to our discomfort, we've we've kind of witnessed that phenomena of the, the unkempt of the gamer and i mean at least with with the guys in the movie you have the excuse that okay well they're alcoholics and they're all smoking weed around the gaming table yeah so anything else about the movie as a movie before we go into our reviews of the film no i think we're ready to move on i think we we're already pretty deep in here uh and i do want to save some time to talk about specific scenes and stuff so uh, let's uh, let's review the films. Uh, B boy, you pick this one. Why don't you review it first? Okay. Um, well, for me, and again, I'll get into more as to why I liked it more than I've probably let on so far. Uh, I would give it a three out of five. Three out of five vultures. Not bad. Three out of five vultures. Um, I actually enjoyed it get into more of why I was able to enjoy it versus why you guys maybe didn't enjoy it so much or just outright couldn't enjoy it. I think it I think they tried to do something good. They failed in a lot of aspects, but in some ways their failures kind of opened doors for a different kind of success. Hmm. That's interesting. AJ. Uh this this movie is shit. It's really bad. Um, I I did not like it at all. There were some funny parts. Uh, you could get like like instead of watching this movie, just find a bunch like find a group of losers like these guys and hang out with them. That's that's <laughs> a much better use of your t- like you know that's what you did right ha oh, yeah just, just come hang out with us uh, like, we're willing you know we don't yeah. have any friends on we don't we're much better entertainment than this movie and probably show a better like um amalgamation of losers i don't know and anyway. more diverse amalgamation of losers exactly. yeah. um i i didn't like the the camera work and the 
acting was really bad. Anyway, uh, I say 1.5 vultures out of 10. 1.5 out of 10 vultures. Wait a second. What did you give Zombievers? Uh, 0.5 out of 10. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. Okay. All right. I just want to say, Sarah, wherever you are, <laughs> pick is better than yours. Fuck you, Sarah. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not going to let that go. That's a, a, Sarah, I, I, I'm going to take three minutes of your life for every one minute of mine that you took from me with Zombievers. I, I'm going to find a way to do it, and I'm going to do it. Anyway, uh, Rudy. Uh, okay, so there's a few things that I like. I like uh, Dokapon Kingdom. I like South American dictators, and I also like uh, shit that takes itself really seriously and plays it straight <laughs> when it's completely fucking ridiculous. So yeah, uh, this had kind of like a I don't know. It's hard to tell, but with Warhammer, like it's almost it seemed like kind of that deal where it's like you know like spaceships that are powered by, you know, fucking the fires of hell or some shit, but they play it a hundred percent straight. You know I mean? That's, you know, shit like that. I love shit like that. This movie, certain scenes and I'll, I guess I'll get to them in the next, the spoiler section, but certain scenes really had me uh, cringing and I, I like, it was a good cringe. I'd say it was, it was the kind <laughs> like of that good mouth feel that good, that, cringe. That good mouth feel. Exactly. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I there were certain things I really didn't like. Like I said, the lack of imagination as far as the game itself. But uh, yeah, I'd have to say overall, I give this movie five d six out of ten d six things, and I dropped the lowest dice. <laughs> You put more thought into the mechanics you used to score oh. this movie than they put into the mechanics of the game in this movie. Um, I, I will say, I will give this film this. I enjoyed this film more than Zombie at first. <laughs> um, which I, I, so here's the thing. I, I mentioned a little bit earlier that like those two types of bad movies, I much prefer the like passionate failure bad movie than the cynical cash in bad movie and this is movie is is a passionate failure of extreme proportions i mean this is obviously <laughs> someone's like baby i mean it's got to be it's obviously this guy's baby and this baby is um it, it, have you all seen the episode of seinfeld with the ugly baby no. Where oh, yeah. basically this couple have a really ugly baby and they're showing it to all the Seinfeld oh, cast. And yeah. the joke is like, no one can say that's a fucking ugly baby, you know, because it's somebody's <laughs> baby and you have to, oh, but really like, Ugh. you know, and that <laughs> that's kind of <laughs> yeah. what this movie is. This movie is somebody's ugly baby. And on some level, you have to respect the fact that uh, this guy loved this idea enough to make this baby to conceive mm -hmm. this baby and to not abort this baby. <laughs> uh, and, and I, I do respect that. And there's a lot, there are, there are a few things here to like. I, I, I actually really did like the campy rotoscoped or bed, whatever it was, the, <laughs> the hallucination scenes. I don't even know how they made them. I don't even know what's going on there. They were cheesy as hell. 
but they were wonderfully in tune uh, with the kind of cheesy shit that this movie is channeling. Those sort of 80s role-playing D&D panic films and and the drag old dragon strike video and and like like rudy said uh the 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 old cartoon version of lord of the rings and and all of that like those worked um there were a couple of moments of i think authentic gamer truth here particularly as they're learning to play the game and in some of the deep awkwardness of their encounters that said Every scene in this movie is too long. The movie doesn't even begin to in any way explore its premise. It does absolutely nothing interesting with its premise. And that's a shame because there's so much they could have done with it. Yeah. To add depth to this movie, to make this movie more interesting, to make it weirder, to make it funnier, to make it more insightful. But it absolutely, it does nothing to build on its premise. Um, and it, it is also a real slog in parts, in mm. l- large parts. And for all of those reasons, I give this movie one out of five vultures, which still only makes it the third worst reviewed movie, by me anyway, on the podcast. <laughs> and also, which means, Brandon, you have now joined all the other members of the podcast, excluding Tom, who only appeared once and who has never picked a film. Uh, you you all belong to the like you have an you now have a membership in the group of people whose movies I have shit on <laughs> uh, because I I I, I, uh, I totally shit on uh, AJ's might I say however candy which infuriated me on many levels that hard and candy I, is rated highest among all of the movies oh that my, have been shit on only because <laughs> it was the so most interesting. <laughs> God fucking damn it. <laughs> you know what? Brandon, I give this movie two stars. Two vultures. No, I can't. I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, uh, and Rudy brought in Kite, which I didn't like. And Sarah, of course, was responsible for just Zombievers, which was absolutely fucking horrendous. And I totally resent her for it. But, um, <laughs> but those are the bad movies, I think, in some ways excluding Zombievers, where I don't think even the podcast was good. Bad movies, um, I think, evoke better discussions sometimes than good ones. So, Oh, absolutely. That's the case. Anyway, spoilers from here on out. Um, if you do want to watch this movie before you, we totally ruin it for you, uh, why don't you pause the podcast now? This movie is on Netflix. For all we know, it may have gone straight to Netflix. Uh, it, so you can stream it for free there. Uh, it's only an hour and 13 minutes long, so go watch it, come back, and then you can listen to the rest of the podcast. But from this moment forward, spoilers. Okay, Brandon, I want to I want to get to – in this section, I want to get to you and your greater theory of what this film might have okay. been doing. Uh, and I do want to get to Rudy, too, so, because he had mentioned there were some parts that he liked or disliked and wanted to talk to in more detail. But anyway, we're going to start with you b-boy okay so for me and this is what ultimately allowed me to enjoy this movie for me there were two different movies going on and they were two very very different explanations of 
Um, obviously, the main one that is to digest and the easiest to kind of play up as the this is what it is. This is what it is. You know, this is the story of it. This is a, a, a demon possessed game that drives these people crazy and makes them do all this crazy shit. That's a red herring. And really? the way that I watched the movie, that felt like a red herring. And this is why Damn. they first start getting hooked into the game. Really. As soon as they unbox the game, this was, this was what kind of keyed me in and started kind of elevating the tension levels for me as I'm watching it. Kind of where they start to mention during the unboxing of the game, the smell. Smells like the mildew or like smoke or burning leaves. Burnt leaves. Those yeah. olfactory. Yeah. That was kind of a recurring theme and that was really brought up quite heavily when they started to show signs of being enthralled in the game and enthralled in what's going on. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but they kept bringing the book really close to their faces oh, and I sniffing think I it and inhaling deeply. Uh-huh. So for me, in what I feel would have been a much, much more interesting story to portray, honestly, I think is a much more interesting explanation of what happened, is been stored in a way where some kind of psychotropic mold <laughs> inside the game. As they're inhaling it, it's almost like people that are on mushrooms or on other hallucinogenics. Huh. Oh, they start to experience all of these thoughts and as they're playing the game and as they're rolling the dice and they're reading off this horrible fantasy text then twisting their perception of reality of what's in their of what has gone into their lungs and has been absorbed into their central nervous system and started to influence them that's what they start to experience as their reality that level of this film so much because I didn't want to take it this movie with the thought of okay well it's called 13 demons and you know they've got all this this uh, oh cursed game oh cursed object for me cursed object stories are fucking lame yeah. enjoy them I think they're stupid I think they're cliche I think there's just so much that you can do I've met John fucking Zaffis and I think he's a fucking joke I don't know who he is <laughs> he's but the I'm haunted sure he collector oh okay collector he's the guy that, that did the investigations in the house based that the haunting in Connecticut is based on oh, I've okay. met the guy oh. he's, he's a joke and that's his big thing is haunted items. Oh, cursed items. If you look at it from the perspective of these people were being dosed with a, with a hallucinogenic fungus or some other sort of toxin with the way that the hallucinations are portrayed to me is a much more interesting film and something that could have had a lot more depth to it. Huh? That's, and, an, that's an interesting theory. I, uh, um, Especially given their nature as gamers, as LARPers, mm-hmm. um, so invested in these hobbies. Like there's, there's the one scene where they go into what would have been a, hallucin- a hallucination in any other scene. And instead, they show M guy 
getting all of his gear on, you know, pots and pans and all this household bric-a-brac <laughs> and sitting down and leaving a voicemail for his mother as he's got these crazy ass contact lenses in. Were they trying to portray a, a demonic possession as driving him to do this or was the, of a hallucination gone wrong leading him to put on all of his battle gear you know including contacts that would change the way that he or the way that the world sees him to kind of bring him deeper into character I, that's interesting i don't know guys what do you think of the psychotropic mold theory uh i would like to say um that yes that could have potentially been a more interesting movie but um it wasn't <laughs> i i think that like i think that that's definitely like it's not like outside the realm of possibility that's one possible interpretation but it doesn't seem to make it any more interesting to me like the the way that it's played straight um as you know just demonic influence from the game is not scary and having it be drugs in the game also doesn't seem very scary yeah uh rudy yeah i mean that's that point you made about the scene uh where the guy calls his family is kind of a good point because that scene really felt out of place to me and i'm not really i wasn't really sure why um I think that's definitely one possible way to explain that. Um, and yeah, I think if you watch it that way, it's probably a better movie, you know, just in terms of like, I mean, it's a better psychological horror movie, I guess. Um, but I don't know if that makes it any more appealing to me personally. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same page as... AJ and Rudy. Like, I, I, I really like that as, like, a Reddit theory of the film. Yeah. You know, as, like, a, this is what's really going on. And I think that as fan theories go, that is a very compelling one. Like, I, I had – now that you bring it up, I – had thought when the like the scene where they're like smelling the book and they're obsessed with the odor of the book, I mm. thought that was really weird. Um, yeah. And I think at the time I wrote it off as kind of like a, a sign that the book was like demonic or otherworldly, you know, the fact that it still had this mm. strange, like, you know, very oddly natural super, and yet supernatural odor about it that grew stronger while they played. Uh, but I, I totally can see that as like, maybe it was some kind of psychoactive compound that they were exposed to. So as a, as a fan theory, and I think that like pretty much everything is, but especially works of fantasy and stuff are actually enriched by fan theories because it gives you, when there's not much there under, below the surface of the movie, stuff like that at least gives you something to think about. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. But I, I don't feel like it makes the movie like better as a film, if that makes any sense. Oh, not as a film. Um, for me, I think the story would be improved by that. Yeah, I think it makes the it more. The execution was still. 
the execution is still the execution that we got. I mean, you know, there is no, there's no ambiguity in what was actually together, however, you know, limited the editing was. To me, looking at it from the perspective of when I went in, I had no intention of picking this as, as a movie to be reviewed for on the podcast or anything of that nature. I was just kind of putting something on Netflix just to see what it would be, you know. I I mentioned last time I've watched a lot of bad B movies just to have some kind of background noise going on. And originally that's what I was planning on this being. And then I started kind of into it and on that weird way that they kept smelling the book and mentioning the smells and the aromas and that kind of got me thinking like okay well someone that's on that is a psychotropic and the psychoactive substance so going to kind of compel them to keep going back in and keep yeah keep the getting close to the book the addictiveness of the yeah. experience of playing the game it does help mm-hmm. explain that and I'm also, I guess I, I'm partial to the idea of that, like, there being a kind of addiction metaphor running through this game, or, a, or through, through this movie, rather, or the idea that this is a movie on some level about addiction, whether it's addiction to games or to, mm-hmm. um, uh, you, you know, psychedelics or to alcohol, which become, is brought up a lot interestingly yeah. over the course of the movie is the idea that as they become more addicted to the game, they start to abstain more and more from alcohol or see mm. alcohol as something that's corrupting or, yeah. or, or distracting from their mission. Interesting. And of course the repeated references to what I, I assume is pot. I mean, you don't really see exactly what he's smoking, but <laughs> yeah, it yeah. almost certainly yeah. is pot. But I don't think, was, I don't think he's hitting the crack yeah. pipe, you know? Um, <laughs> And so there's there's a lot of that going on here. So I wouldn't be surprised if the writer, director, star of the film was trying to say something about the nature of addiction, but I have no fucking idea what he was trying to say about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um and that and that, like I said, I mean the execution is what it is. And the way that we interpret what was actually causing them to operate in terms of mental stability as they're playing this game is only just kind of hearsay and conjecture versus the execution of what actually made it to the film. Yeah. I I do. One thing that uh, both you and Rudy mentioned is that scene where he calls uh, the one, the one, player <laughs> prior to actually going off to his death calls his mother and uh th- that was a weird th- scene i thought too uh one, it was one jarring thing, and uncomfortable one thing about that scene that's i don't know if i go so far as to say it's interesting is there's a moment where he actually admits that he hasn't done anything with his life and now he feels mm. called to do this. <laughs> like this has yeah. suddenly given his life meaning in some way, which is the closest the movie probably comes to trying to explain what's going on psychologically with these characters. 
but it's a really pat easy explanation like i'm like yeah. it really doesn't go any deeper like than i'm a loser so i started to play games <laughs> and i i mean maybe that's all there is to it uh, but like it, it doesn't. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more complexity than that because that's basically what what he's saying boils down to. Like, I never did anything with my life, and now I feel called to this. I feel like this has given my life some kind of meaning, and and that's a very like easy, obvious thing to say about people who are gamers or who people people who find meaning in any form of escapism is to say, well, you got nothing going on in your life, so. You ex yeah. you uh, you turn to fantasy yeah. instead, and there's a certain level of truth to that. But so what? It's not a very interesting or nuanced or complex explanation for human behavior. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for a scene that was so jarring and out of place and kind of uncomfortable to watch, I would have liked a lot more depth. EJ, and, you... oh sorry, people. <laughs> I mean, there was, there was also that weird element of the fact that at this point he was so deep in the hallucination, whether whether demonic or, or psychoactive hallucination, he was so deep in the hallucination that he was admitting that he was planning on going out on this quest to slay one of the demons. And yet he's leaving a fucking voicemail. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, actually, that actually might segue into something I wanted to touch on. Which is uh, fucking. How the fuck did the police not catch them before they committed yeah. 12 fucking murders? <laughs> yeah. It's been going on for about a month. That's. No. And there's no sign that they made any attempt to cover this up because they didn't even. They were in such an altered state of mind that they didn't believe they were committing crimes. And the one right. murder we do see happen happens right out in the street with a witness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the would-be murderer dies in the process. Right, which is yeah. why you know, but, which is why the it isn't totally ridiculous. I mean that there was. I mean, if it was one of the ones who got away and there was a witness, and they then went on to kill ten more people. You know, uh, yeah. But even so, that shows the level of like just haphazardness that the rest of the crimes, mm -hmm. the rest of the murders must have been committed with you know what i'm saying like yeah. i don't think that there was that if we had been able to see any of the other murders i don't think they would have shown a, a more sophisticated level of planning and covering their tracks or anything, you know and i i get and it i mean the guy like, was armed with a fucking rubber mallet yeah seriously <laughs> yeah and I yeah, a rubber mallet like it wasn't the purpose of the movie to be like a, a crime drama or whatever but like Come on, you know, like, yeah. and, and the fact that it apparently takes them a month to to carry yeah. this out, as the police officer just like casually remarks at the end, like, what what were they doing? Were they like living their life normally between playing the game? Were they just playing the game all the time and missing a bunch of roles? I I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I, I think my guess we've been missing a lot of roles because if you look <laughs> at their faces as it as the as the movie progresses, I mean the the dark circles under their eyes just get progressively more dramatic and done. The movie doesn't show them missing any roles at all, right? Because it's 
magic. I don't know, guys. I just, I, I don't buy it. I um am really confused at how they managed to murder so many people with the oh, weapons yeah. they had at hand. Like, <laughs> I, th- I'll say this. Um, this movie uh may have single-handedly. I, I, I'm not a person who um has a strong opinion either way about gun control. And generally when conservatives say when there's a mass shooting or something and conservatives say if someone was around with a gun, they, this could have been prevented. Normally I'm like, well, uh, under the circumstances, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe not. Uh, but it, this is a case where literally if they had stumbled into the home of anyone with a firearm, their killing spree would have ended immediately. <laughs> Since, <laughs> The, since since that one like lanky guy managed to take out the 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 one person who's who's um the one player who is stopped and killed, he manages to kill him with a tire iron. As he's being killed. By As he's being killed with, with a rubber yeah. mallet, <laughs> which is all like, <laughs> idiotic. But I mean, so you're telling me that nobody like had access to a butcher knife. Nobody had a lock like a door they could just lock or well they called the police nobody or yeah. really nobody had a well, firearm or a can of mace or... <laughs> and to say again well, there was a witness with the guy with yeah. the tire iron like he just sat there yeah. and watched while the dude with the rubber mallet <laughs> killed his friend and his friend killed that guy with the tire yeah. iron yeah at the same time, if you look at those first hallucination scenes, the ones that they actually showed as the hallucinations, the demons weren't even looking at the guys. Yeah, that's true. They did attack them from Baxter. Yeah. And say anything to the demons up front when they were approaching them. They they attacked them. Oh, they were using rogue tactics. Yeah. <laughs> um... Although it does beg the question of, did did they put on all the pots and pans armor as they're doing this? Because they all had the same armor in the hallucinations. But... <laughs> and if they did put on armor made of pots and pans and went outside dressed like that while the police were actively hunting for people <laughs> that, as the TV informs us, they knew to be influenced by this game by at least the second or, or the third or fourth murder like wouldn't that have been a dead giveaway wouldn't someone have been like maybe that's the guy oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but rudy I, you wanted to, you had some stuff you wanted to talk about about the scenes of the movie more specifically oh yeah um oh the one scene well Actually, before I say that, let me just say that uh, one of the things about horror movies, uh, this is from someone who doesn't really like or get horror movies that much. I don't really get scared by them. I don't really see the appeal of them most for the most part. But then again, I don't see the appeal of most movies, period. But right. um, like I think one thing that's important, like you said, is the ability to even have fan theories and stuff like that. I mean, the fact that we're even talking about it this long is pretty amazing. And uh, I think it's kind of like almost like when you design a movie like this, you design it with this kind of like roguelike complexity maybe um, so that you can go kind of as deep as you want. But uh, just like a roguelike, the deeper you go, the harder it becomes to like maybe justify it to your friends. And you have all these (laughs) like 
you have all these discussions and like you know stuff about and i think as far as that this movie is really good uh for that um on on a scene by scene basis maybe not i mean but the whole as a whole taken as a whole product i guess it's really great for uh for discussion i mean but one of the scenes i liked uh i actually like the scenes where they're in the in with the police a lot because like they're giving these long spiels and like these long like monologues and the police were just like no <laughs> no that didn't happen no you, you murdered them <laughs> they're like I, I like the the contrast between like their like obliviousness or whatever the reality and the police just like uh well not really though <laughs> you know because that to me that says something more about like i guess the way kind of gamers might perceive them as themselves as being treated you know it's like well you know like you come in from a game or something and you you you're going you're gushing about this game you know you're like holy shit this was like the most amazing experience people are just like oh yeah yeah you know that's cool (laughs) you know that's cool dude you know that it seems like that kind of i don't know if that was intentional or not and it may it probably wasn't but i feel like that says something (laughs) maybe it was yeah i mean i feel like that says something something more about the larger cult that's one thing they did kind of get at least sort of right but uh one scene i liked in particular uh and this i actually watched the trailer before i watched the movie uh and this was at the end of the trailer it's a scene where the guy is there he's screaming it's not a game (laughs) 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 and i just thought like i was like wow that you know, if if ever like there was a scene where you can tell the guys are having fun like making this movie, like I mean he must have that must have been like the crowning point of like, you know, like wow, I get to do that. You know, that <laughs> <laughs> like that like they must have had a lot of fun making this movie and it's evident in some of the things that they some of the dialogues and stuff. You know, just the fact anybody would memorize that shit that the writer wrote up, the writer, director, <laughs> actor wrote up. You know, and repeat those lines with that kind of, with any kind of, you know. With the degree to which they are allowed to ham it up in this movie. Exactly. Fun. That it, you know, and that's another thing with, like, making a horror movie, I guess, is, you know, you got to have fun and be into doing yeah. it. And that's, yeah, because a lot of, yeah, a lot of horror movies, like, they're really campy, but you have to enjoy the camp and you have to enjoy yourself while you're doing it. And this looks like they had a lot of fun, so... Congrats to them. Yeah, I, I think that this is a movie that would have been a lot more fun to film than to watch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, or to definitely. play the game in the film. Would have been a better yeah. game to film the movie than <laughs> to play the game. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So anything else um, digging into this film, things that happened in this film more specifically, or... Uh, anything like that EJ anything you really resented about this film that you still need to get off your chest uh not that I haven't already um hammered at I don't think I I just one more time uh, I I didn't like it oh didn't like it um b-boy anything you want to um talk about one thing that I appreciated uh, I think I'll be the first to to say that I'm 
few gamers in our group that actually does kind of take part in the concept of sword fighting and taking that part to reality. You know, I've trained some martial arts, uh, seeing the scenes where the two big bearded, long haired guys are actually sparring with each other <laughs> aiming room as they're in the throes of this enthrallment of being by the game, either context, whether it is the demonic possession or, or my preferred concept of the movie as this being a, a drug induced psychosis. I thought that was a very interesting scene, watching them training and sparring and just showing uh, some small measure of skill handling these these makeshift weapons that they had in their little kitchenette area. <laughs> Actually going with some surprising speed. I can only imagine how many takes it took them to get to the point where they could go that fast. Mm really look like the type who has put a lot of time into training. So, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I can't really speak to um, that part of it. But I, I, these guys look like um, <laughs> they might have done a little bit of amateur sword fighting in their mother's living rooms. Uh, I will give you that. <laughs> uh, Rudy, any, anything you wanted to get to? Mm-hmm. No, um, I really like the cop who kind of looks like the smoking man, and I feel that him kind of looking like the smoking man uh, may have been why he landed that role. So <laughs> I know. I thought that a few times, too. I was like, is that William B. Davis? And then I said, no, he's too, this, this actor is clearly too young, but he looks <laughs> very much like a young William B. Davis. He, he does look like the cigarette yeah. smoking man, and I did appreciate that. Too, uh, although I was very relieved to see that he didn't lower himself to being. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if that are we so two weeks in a row, we've reviewed movies where there has been a character that fits the archetype of a much better actor who would have elevated the movie greatly by actually being in that role. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> two in a row. Um, <laughs> And in both instances, I'm really thankful that the actor in question, whether it was Jim Beaver in Zombie in Zombievers, I keep wanting to call it Zombie Beavers, and I guess I'm just <laughs> that allergic to the pot. Uh, in Zombievers, or in this case, William William B. Davis in uh, this movie. <laughs> yeah, but but so are we good then? We're good. Okay, we're so good. let's do what we always what the new tradition is anyway. And end the podcast by talking about the end of the movie, the last scene of the movie. Can I have my? I don't know, guys. Did, what 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 were your thoughts about the ending of this movie? I have my weapon. Anyone want to jump in? I will. Um, okay. AJ is so in such a hurry to shit on this movie. Apparently, here, uh, the ending was dumb. <laughs> that's, that's basically summed up. I mean, like, I, I didn't expect much more out of it, but uh, it was dumb. The ending was that there was no ending, and it was like, okay, well, at least it's over now. Uh, Rudy, Brandon? I, I uh. actually liked the way that it ended in that said there was no ending. I actually liked that aspect. I liked the fact that game 
was trying to steer them towards wasn't completed. Um, mm. How often have, as a gamer, how often do campaigns really wrap up neatly in a nice <laughs> That's <little> right. package? <laughs> yeah, they just they, end they, when they mommy and daddy them. show up, right? <laughs> when life intervenes. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. That they end when life intervenes, and I think that's kind of a kind of a nod to the hobby. Maybe. I think it's I think it's kind of a a good reflection on the fact that, especially if you do look at it, depending on which way you go. I mean, demonic possession. It was trying to whittle it down so that there was only one survivor left, and honestly, that survivor probably then would have had to kill himself with its own. De- devices or with the psychoactive method or with the psychoactive approach eventually going to turn them against each other just because they went through this whole process of isolation as they developed the character and then all of a sudden there's someone else working toward the same goal and you know how do you trust that how do you respond to that how does it progress Mm -hmm. i think it was kind of natural that the two surviving players would wind up turning on each other like that it would have liked to see more variety in the dialogue that they were shouting at the cops. <laughs> yeah, um, other than the repeated, "Can I have my weapon? No. Can I have my weapon? No. Fuck no. Fuck no. I love that. That was a good, uh, a nice touch. It was one of those things where, to me, that was one of the more real moments in a in a completely surreal movie because these guys are so far out of touch with reality at this point that they see absolutely nothing wrong in asking these police officers will you give me my stick or will you give me my lead pipe and take me to my former best friend so that i can kill him because he is the last demon Wrong with your weird kingdom that you won't give me my lead pipes that I can bludgeon my friend to death. But it's his sword. It's not a lead yes, pipe. Was, Only the cops see it as a lead. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. It was a legendary magical scimitar. If we're being, oh, yeah. if we're being specific, oh. sure. <laughs> and the stick was the dagger. Right. Giant baseball bat sized stick was a dagger. It was just. <laughs> yeah. I will give him this. It's got to be kind of hard to kill a bunch of people with a stick. Not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, that's not wrong. <laughs> I haven't tried it before, well, I mean, but, you know, it seems like a you're twelve-year-old boy at a disadvantage. A five-year-old boy. Mm. Yeah, one of them was a five-year-old boy. So, <laughs> no, I would imagine that was probably quite easy to kill with a stick. Rudy, I want to get you in here. What, um, what did you think of the ending? Well, there's a couple of things uh, that I want to say. Um, well, I honestly didn't really have much of an opinion about the ending, but I will say there's a few times where I've wanted to salute the flag. <laughs> um, one of them, and they've all involved autism. Um, one of them was when I found out that Symmetra was autistic in Overwatch. Uh, <laughs> That made me want to salute the flag. But that scene where they pull out their swords in synchronized motion at the end, that, that gave me them real powerful tism feels because that was, uh, it's like that tingle on the back of your neck. It's like, wow, you know, they actually, they did that. You know, that, it, it made me feel tingly. I don't really know how to describe it other than it just, it's, it's a feeling of like patriotism and like, you know, like that feeling you get from a really good McDonald's, greasy McDonald's hamburger that it just, it, it was like it was like mouthfeel in an image. I don't really know how to describe it. Right, right. <laughs> it was, it, 
patriotism, mouthfeel, and an image. Well, yeah. Pretty much, I mean. Yeah. Oh. Uh, was there a second thing? Oh, the other thing is uh, what B-Boy said um, with them wanting to kill each other. I think that's – I like that because, you know, it makes logical sense that, you know, as they get – farther into this game they'd want to you know they're going to butt heads you know they want to pk <laughs> they want to and that's what i was going to say is it it also is a great nod to you know what happens when a campaign degenerates <laughs> which is player versus player PKing, whatever oh, yeah. you want to call it uh that i'm glad they included that 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 warmed my heart honestly you you would have been very disappointed if this game did not feature any pvp right <laughs> Strictly PVE, PV five-year-old boy. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I mean, he wants to kill monsters all day. I mean, fuck. <laughs> so yeah, so this is this movie utilizes a very familiar kind of um, nesting doll sort of framing device, right? Where the first scene, um, where the first scene of the movie sets up the last scene of the movie. You see this. All the time, and usually what happens is the f in movies like this, especially in thrillers um, or in puzzle films or whatever, is that first scene is that the first scene sets up a riddle that the last scene solves. The first scene asks a mm -hmm. question that the last scene answers. Uh, it, a, a very the usual suspects actually follows a very similar similar kind of formula to this film in, in that they both involve police interrogations and they both open and close on a police interrogation and in that movie i'm not going to spoil that movie for the one human being alive who doesn't know what the twist is in that movie <laughs> um but you know the, the the end of the movie answers the beginning of the movie and so that's what i was expecting here uh but I don't think I think that what happens in this movie, though, is, is something um, truly unique, which is that the last <laughs> scene of the movie is the first scene of the movie, but at a louder volume. <laughs> <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't in any way resolve or answer or address any. Mm -hmm. it, it actually it simply replays everything that it, it, which is very appropriate for a movie this deeply redundant it totally just replays the first scene of the movie but people are talking louder now and yeah. I don't know what to think about that I mean on some level I I there was a moment in this movie there's actually about two-thirds of the way through this movie there's another cut back to the police interrogation room that's followed by a a hallucination scene that then segs back into an earlier part of the it, it segs back into a flashback of them in the house again in the midst of their killing spree but because of the way that was structured where the interrogation scene segged into one of the demon killing flashback scenes what i basically thought might be happening was that Essentially, we were watching him take the cop's gun or something and shoot him, and then he was going to be free, and he was going to go and fight. You know, we've seen that in movies before. You, you, and that was a way yeah, to gloss yeah. over the sheer ridiculousness of him, like, somehow overwhelming the cop. And I was very glad when uh, it turned out that it was just a segue back into the earlier narrative mm -hmm. of the film and not – and that, in fact, they never get away from the cops. 
yeah. and, and they never justify their actions and all that. In some ways, I can appreciate that. And in fact, the cops never convince them that it's the real world, and they never convince the cops that something supernatural is happening. So, which is interesting because I was really expecting this film to at least hint at the possibility that they might really be killing demons and not people. Maybe because I've seen Frailty, which is a, a film that similarly is about someone who is killing human beings under the pretense of killing demons, and that movie makes it very ambiguous what's actually going on. And I don't want to spoil that movie for anyone who hasn't seen it because it's a better movie than this one. And But there's plenty of other films like that where it's like the supernatural element is introduced, it's dismissed by everyone else, the audience is led to believe that it's not real, and then the protagonists are vindicated in some way. Or at least the possibility is introduced that the, that the protagonist might be vindicated. This movie doesn't even, as far as I can tell, makes no overtures in that direction. I mean, we we just have to accept, I think that they murdered a whole bunch of just fucking innocent <laughs> dudes. <laughs> and, I, yeah. and I'm actually fine with yeah. that. I actually think that yeah. maybe that's less contrived than trying to, but than trying to like turn it into, like trying to convince us that that five-year-old boy was actually like a demon in disguise or something. But hmm. none of that ultimately deals with the fact that the end of the film does nothing to make you think of what's happened before differently. It does nothing to answer the beginning of the film. It does nothing to, it, it just does, it, it's one of the most oddly inert, like non-committal endings I've ever seen to a movie. <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, it, uh, there are endings that would have been worse. And as Brandon said, it's some, in some ways an acceptance of the source material where the campaign never seems to come to a natural end yeah. where it gets interrupted. But as a movie, I mean, I don't know. I still don't know what to think of the movie because like, if the ending had said something, it might have retroactively made the rest of the movie say a little more than it did. But since the ending had so little to say, it didn't help me in any way in interpreting the movie that came before it. So it's just, eh, you know. Yeah, I can dig that. Definitely. Any other thoughts on the ending of the film? I think we should probably wrap up. I think we're I, I think we're ready to call it a day. I think we're are we ready to start? I think we are about there. Fuck it. Yeah. I mean, I say I don't fuck have it. Anything else I really say? Fuck it. Well, I can't decide. Should I dance or should I die? I I can't decide. <laughs>